Listener Production. US investors remain pensive ahead of a key vote on the US debt ceiling. And Aussie shares expected to begin June lower with home prices being released. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Thursday, June 1. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update. Ryan, the last 24 hours have had a bit of everything, haven't they? Queenslander. Yes, yes, yes. Your spirits are high this morning. You're underslept, but your uh, adrenaline is ebbing at a high level. Congratulations. Thanks, Tom. Up there with Lindsay <laughs> Collins, the prop, out jumping New South Wales's fullback and captain James yes, Tedesco. Yes, so, so many little micro dramas within the game for those of you who aren't necessarily interested in rugby league. But let's move on to more fascinating dramas. Look, if we were watching an episode of The West Wing, Ryan, this would be one of those moments where Josh Lyman, Toby Ziegler, Sam Seaborn, they'd be in a room with a lot of mahogany with their ties around their ankles and, you know, they'd be pulling their hair trying to negotiate uh, an outcome in relation to the debt ceiling. Importantly, in the last day, we have seen the legislation go before the Rules Committee. So this is uh, a, a hurdle before it even gets to the House floor. This was actually a tight vote. It was seven to six. Wow. So you can thank the representative uh, from the great state of Kentucky, Thomas Mass, uh, the Republican, who um, got the vote over the line. So uh, now it heads off to the House of Representatives today. Which is currently being voted on as we speak, and we're expecting to see an outcome tonight, which is expected to be favourable. And So they, they need 218 votes to get this legislation uh, through the House of Representatives. That's the number to look for. The magic number. The House passage would then send the bill to the Senate, where the debate could stretch into the weekend, Tom. So that would be quite exciting. We could sit around with pina coladas and watch the vote on CNN. That happens before the June 5 date which is when the government could start to run out of money. But most analysts foresee the bill's approval, and US President Joe Biden said on Wednesday he expected the debt ceiling bill on his desk by next Monday. Yeah, so look, Kevin McCarthy, um, in his dispatches in the last day, has been quite upbeat. He's obviously the man that's whipping the votes. So anyway, this has continued to cast a pall over the markets. I know we talk about it a lot. Apologies to the listener, but it is central to the way these markets are behaving. That's a fact. And at the end of the session, we had the Dow Jones down 0.4%. The S&P 500 was down 0.6% with a similar decline for the NASDAQ. So the interesting figure there being the NASDAQ, uh, keeping pace with the broader market. In recent days, we have seen technology stocks outperform their peers. So they're coming back into line with things, which is quite telling, I suppose, at a micro level. Well, that's mainly in relation to a couple of things. We saw NVIDIA shares down after Tuesday's record highs. They've seen extraordinary gains. It's uh, only reasonable that they consolidate. We did see them retreat by 5.7%, taking a breather after their recent run. We also saw C3.ai shares slip 9% ahead of the AI software maker's quarterly result. And there was a big focus on tech hardware company HP, and it was down 6% on mixed quarterly results, Tom. Indeed. So we're heading into a new month. So you would reasonably expect uh, what we call profit-taking. So portfolio managers who have seen some solid improvements for their stocks, uh, what they might do as the month end uh, looms, they might sell a few, um, 
lock in some profits so they can report to their funds that they've you know done this that or the other and then they might actually potentially re- resume that position in the new month so that's what we kind of look for uh, in the final days of a month and the early days of a new month and what we did see in May was the continued underperformance of cyclical shares so we saw energy shares on the S&P 500 down by 8.9 percent was the biggest laggard with all prices sliding mm. at the same time we we did see Interestingly, the defensive names, consumer staples down 6.3%, healthcare down over 5%. So the continuation of this theme where defensive stocks are now considered to be IT stocks, and we did see information technology up 10.5%. But well, let's was- just quickly unpack that because you know uh, under these circumstances where you have seen uh, underwhelming uh, economic news, the investor tends to gravitate towards the defensive stocks, which could be anything from a railway operator to a utility operator, like uh, an owner of transmission towers, for example. Or a supermarket. Or a supermarket. Yes, there's a a whole range of stocks that you would potentially put your money into, which move in an asynchronous (laughs) manner. I mean, why can't you just find a simple word, Tom, honestly? Uh, but they move in a way that might be independent of the economic cycle. These are stocks that are perhaps more conservatively positioned, so they won't take advantage of the highs uh, in economic terms, but they're certainly not going to participate in the lows of an economic cycle as well, which is quite important for uh, investors. And it was more or less the best performance for technology shares since about 2020. So the other thing to note as well is we had an interesting session in the US Treasury market last night, Tom. So we did see a continuation of the rally with the US 10-year down by five basis points to 3.65%. So again, that is a a solid improvement in price. So as bond yields fall, the price improves. And we did see the two-year, which is more interest rate sensitive, down six basis points to 4.41%. What was particularly notable about last night's session were two things. Firstly, we had on one hand, we had stronger than expected jobs numbers, and that related to job vacancy. So we saw the number of available positions in America increase unexpectedly to 10.1 million from 9.75 million in March. So that does point to a continuing tightness in the US jobs market. We get the latest jobs numbers on Friday. The only caveat that I would offer there, Ryan, is that uh, the Department of Labor, um, who are responsible for this survey, they have actually said that the participation rate in this survey has actually fallen quite substantially over the course of the last couple of years. So it used to be, this is the JOLT survey, it's an important measure of job openings, but it is beginning to wane a little bit in terms of its import. But nonetheless, the market did react to these figures. And the so-called quits rate, which measures the voluntary job leavers as a share of total employment, dropped to a more than two-year low of 2.4%. So what that suggests is that there is some cracks in the labour market as, as people drop out it's of the workforce, strong, but it's still as strong as 10 men. So, so basically for every employer, every person looking for a job, there's 1.8 job openings at this stage. Which that's is, correct. Which is still a solid number. It is. On top of the jobs numbers, which had an impact on the treasury market, the bond market, the other thing to note as well is we heard from a couple of Fed speakers. So the US central bankers, they're out and about. We've got the next meeting in a couple of weeks. And what we heard from them was a desire to potentially pause, a couple of them being the Fed governor and vice chair nominee, Philip Jefferson, 
and also Philadelphia Fed President Patrick Harker, they said they were inclined to potentially skip next month's rate hike or at least pause. It's not having a bar of that, right? No, no. So it's being referred to as a hawkish pause if there's such a thing. So the Fed Futures Funds, which prices in the likelihood or probability of a rate hike, has jumped to about 63% chance of a 25 basis point rate hike in June. So that's a pretty abrupt turnaround in terms of what we have seen over the course of recent weeks. There was uh, uh, only a fortnight ago, there was a thinking that we wouldn't see a rate hike next month from from the Fed. So very fluid situation uh, in terms of that conversation. So let's quickly look at what we can expect locally. Ryan, the market got bashed up yesterday with good reason. We had higher than expected inflation numbers. They were the monthly figures, which don't carry quite the same gravity. But then uh, the the sucker punch came in the form of the weaker uh, economic figures that we saw out of China. So we're in this classic situation where rates are rising and activity continues to moderate. Uh, and that reflected in the performance of the share market yesterday, down by 1.6%. For May, the index was down by 2.98%, narrowly eclipsing the worst month of the year so far, which was February, when the index fell by 2.92%. We had a decent gain in April, though, up 1.8%. We did. And what we did see in May really was underperformance for consumer discretionary. So we're starting to see the impact of those higher interest rates, but also borrowing costs impacting those shoppers out there, particularly young Australians contending with a rental crisis and just broadly things being more expensive as we saw in yesterday's inflation readings. So what that's meant is that investors are getting ahead of this situation. We've got a fixed rate mortgage cliff that's imminent. People are resetting on higher interest rates with their mortgages. And people are saying, well, the earnings of a lot of these consumer discretionary retailer companies in particular will be under pressure going forward with less demand because people will start to focus their attention on spending on essentials, not those nice-to-haves, Tom. Indeed. So I suppose the point to make when it comes to the consumer discretionary stocks, which are so vulnerable to that rising interest rate environment, markets are always forward-looking. So we've seen a couple of false starts in this story. You might recall you know, at the beginning of the year, there was a lot of pressure on the consumer discretionary stocks. Bit of a recovery in the um, last couple of months. Now it, uh, it seems as though uh, this group is right up against it. So this month of June will be quite pivotal as far as discretionary stocks are concerned. Now, as far as the June month is concerned, consumer discretionary Stocks will be continuing to be under pressure. We did see yes, a, a surprise jump in inflation for the month of April, up to 6.8% from 6.3%. Previously, that was driven by rising rents, a lift in holiday travel costs and higher transportation costs. And on the back of that, money markets are now pricing in a 100% chance of another 25 basis point rate hike by August. Indeed. A, a big turnaround from the, the thinking again a, a couple of weeks ago. That's right. And we got some 
new data this morning, which is very exciting. Everyone loves the housing market in Australia. We watch the block and we read the Sunday papers and get the auction results. And what we did see for the month of May is national home prices, according to CoreLogic, accelerate by 1.2%. Sydney home prices are up by 1.8%, the most at September 2021. And we also saw Brisbane home prices up 1.4%. So pretty strong gains across the board. It's and it's the second cre- month in a row where we have seen this inflection point for house prices, which should be a big concern for the RBA. It's going to cause a major headache. We've got strong population growth. And at the same high time, rents. high rents, and it's it's proving to be difficult yes. for the Reserve Bank to deal with. So this narrative that the Reserve Bank has clung to about trying to thread the needle between preserving the dividend of the job gains over the course of the pandemic and trying to get a, a, you know, a, a soft landing where rates are concerned, that is looking to be like a bit of a, a bridge too far at this stage. Well, the challenge next will be on wages. So... And we haven't seen those wage outcomes feed through into the figures or indeed um, the psychology of households yet. Well, the Fair Work Commission's annual minimum award wage decision tomorrow could see wage gains of up to 7% matching inflation. So that's going to be a big problem for the Reserve Bank. Tomorrow is a big day. It's a big day. In terms of commodity markets overnight, we saw a reaction to those weaker than expected factory activity numbers out of China yesterday. All prices were down broadly up to 2%, and iron ore prices were down 0.1%. In terms of today's action, Technology One shares Tradex dividend and 29 Metals hosts an annual general meeting, Tom. Great chatting to you this morning, Ryan. Absolute pleasure. Go Queensland. Have a great day. This podcast is prepared, approved and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, ABN 60067-254-399, AFSL 238814. The information does not take into consideration your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Listener.